0: let's take our Bibles to Joshua chapter 1 Joshua chapter 1 and we'll read a little bit of um, of Joshua 1 and then we'll take our seats Joshua chapter 1 beginning in verse 1 after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord the Lord said to Joshua the son of Nun Moses' assistant Moses my servant is dead Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, thank you so much for these encouraging words to your servant Joshua, which are words to us as well. so Lord, may we be encouraged tonight and, and and really learn and or be reaffirmed in the great truths of how to overcome fear in the power of you and your presence. And so Lord, we dishonor you and we thank you for our church and we thank you for letting us be together tonight in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Well, as we sang, great is thy faithfulness, that really is the undercurrent of tonight's message, is God's faithfulness. But you'll note here uh, in this opening of Joshua, and you're very familiar with this, perhaps some of you have memorized most of the verses about being strong and courageous. Um, Fear is something that all of us have to deal with. Fear is the reality of the fall in the Garden of Eden. It's not the right type of fear. It is that paralyzing fear as you look around the world today and you see uh, all that's happening, and it certainly is a fearful place. It's always been a fearful place. It's just we have such access to everything now that it seems like it's accelerated more and more. And so us as individuals, we um, are, are battling fears Fears of inadequacies, fears of circumstances, fears of of people. The the list is long when it comes to fear. And when it comes to our responsibility in the world, our responsibility uh, as gospel-believing Christians and as a church committed to the Scripture and changing our world for, for Jesus, should He allow us to do so, it will demand a fearlessness about us. Is that we will have to be bold, not arrogant, bold, and we're going to have to be humble, and we're going to have to be fearless. There is an increasing hostility towards Christianity. I don't need to tell you that uh, as you look around at the many martyrs uh, that are giving their life for the cause of Christ. Uh, We even look in this last couple weeks of how the new uh, Speaker of the House, how he has been been getting really raked over the coals for his faith, Uh, whether... um, um, I mean, I listened to what he said and he says, I want to love people because that's what I'm commanded to do. Even those who would, you would call him an extremist, they would call him a fundamentalist and so forth. But the point is that, that attacks and hatred towards Christians are only going to accelerate more and more. And it's, it's very easy to fall prey to fear, to fear and in particular fear of people in the early stages of the book of acts as we read the church coming uh, into play and changing the world what we saw was god's people emboldened with courage emboldened with with strength so much so that they did upset their world and is that not what our world needs today to be upset again by a mobilized church by a mobilized christians who are fearless in the midst of much to be afraid of before the council and that uh, Peter and John were were in, in front of, they told them, stop teaching in Jesus, stop it. And Peter and John, in the boldness that only comes from a closeness to the Lord, says, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So there's an early, right out of the gates of the early church, we see the boldness and the courage of the leadership. Also in Acts chapter 4, after they um, were told this, what did we find the apostles doing? They were going back to their people, and they didn't pray for deliverance. They prayed that they would continue to speak the word with boldness. And that would require a courage. That would require require a fearlessness uh, that can only come from God. And when it comes to our fear, every one of you at one time or another, and if if I'm wrong, please correct me afterwards, every one of you at one time or another have had an opportunity to speak a word in public about the Lord Jesus or have had a chance to talk to someone about the Lord Jesus and out of fear of response or fear of whatever, you have remained silent. And I have found that to be true in my own own life, only to walk away and you feel like beating yourself uh, because of what you didn't do. And so the early church serves as a model for us of what fearlessness looks like. And we'll see how that uh, pans out with Joshua. Then you get into Acts chapter 5, and they're again persecuted, but this time uh, it isn't just words don't teach in Jesus. Now they are beaten for Christ. They are beaten. And it says, they charged him not to speak, and after they beat them, uh, they left the council, and they counted it uh, a real joy to suffer for the name of Christ. And so then the characteristics of Christians who have changed their world and Christians who have had their families and their churches have been on the forefront of gospel work and and left uh, uh, beacons of light and hope and salt. And in the culture, they have been fearless Christians. Fearless Christians, fearless believers, a fearless church. And the Bible has much examples of of those who are fearless. Daniel. Daniel is a a classic example of a fearless believer. In Daniel chapter six, you know that they, they they wanted to trick Daniel. Daniel was was going to be uh, in charge of everything. King Darius uh, and and the religious crowd, or I should say, the, the the crowd around King Darius, they were so jealous of Daniel that they said, well, "We can't find anything wrong with him. So let's get him to uh, um, let let's get him around his god." And he made this decree that no one could uh, pray or or ask anything of anybody but King Darius. And Daniel, in his courage, would not bow the knee. He says he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So Daniel serves as a strong model of a fearless Christian. And tonight, in the time we have, we, are, we want to look at Joshua. Joshua. And we read the first nine verses. We're going to look at verses 5 through, uh, five through 9. But Joshua, Joshua is a great character. And if you haven't studied him, I, I suggest you do. He was a man of character. Uh, he's recognized as one of the great military leaders of all times. He was tasked uh, to lead uh, the, uh, the Jewish conquest of Canaan. And as you read this ver- these verses here, and the times, the repetitiveness of be strong and courageous, it's repetitive because he was not is because he did suffer from fear. He did suffer from not being a coward, but he certainly was afraid. And it's not, it's not right for us to think and, 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 and characterize some of these characters in the Bible as being uh, bigger than life, uh, because he wasn't. Imagine filling the shoes of Moses. And this is what he was called to do. Now the book itself of Joshua, it has some very interesting qualities in it. Uh, it's called a bridge book. It's a bridge book, not unlike the book of Acts. Acts is a bridge book from the Gospels to the Epistles. Whereas Joshua is a bridge between the years of Israel's wanderings in the desert and their settling in the Promised Land. So it serves that purpose. Joshua is the first book in the Bible we find that is named after its chief character. None of the first five books of the Bible uh, are named after the characters, which you, you know, but some of the great characters in history are contained within them. There's Adam, there's Noah, there's Abraham, there's Joseph, Moses, to name a few. Joshua falls in line with other books named after significant characters of the Bible. Ruth, First and 2 Samuel, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, and Job. And though the story is about the conquest of Canaan, it is also about an extraordinary leader, an extraordinary leader. And from this chapter, I want to encourage you to be a very bold and a courageous believer. And I want you to look at, the, at, 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 look at your neighborhood, you know, look at the, your circles that you're in, and that the world around us is gripped with fear. And we need to provide the contrast between uh, the fearful people and the fearlessness of the Christian. Not the fearlessness that causes us to be some religious weirdos. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a fearlessness that comes from what we learn from Joshua. The very things that God uh, taught him and will teach us. Now we're going to look at Joshua uh, in two ways. One, we're going to look at the commands from God to Joshua. The commands of God to Joshua. And there are five in particular um, the, the, the third one kind of encompasses all of them, be obedient. But there are five specific commands that God gives to Joshua. And these are all pointed to his actions. He's not talking about Joshua's character because Joshua had impeccable character. He's talking about his actions. His actions that would, that of leading the people into the promised land, which was a daunting task. And so we'll look at the commands uh, from God to him. And what's important about the commands, and I know how difficult that is sometimes, is be, be aware that if God gives a command, he always supplies the resources to obey the command. And when I say the resources, he provides the strength. He provides the power to obey. But as with Joshua, with us, we don't wait to be zapped with some power source or some lightning bolt from the sky before we obey is that we obey the commands of God, and as we go, we find the the strengthening power of His grace. And so Joshua is given these commands, and he's given these commands as the task is unfolding. It's not just to wait. So often I want to wait to, to feel something. I want to wait to feel courage. Or I want to wait to feel strong. And that's not faith. You know, faith is stepping out on known obedience. And as you go, these things come to be. And so as we look at these commands, remember that these are not beyond our capacity to do them. Now, within and of ourselves, which we'll talk about, we don't have that. But it's as we go that the the obedience of the believer is met with the sufficiency of God's grace. And that's how it always is. Is, is that we step out in obedient faith and God honors faith. Remember what he says in Hebrews that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those you know, who obey him or follow him or that he exists. Let's take a look at the first one then. Verse 6, verse 7, and verse 9. And here's the first command given uh, to Joshua. Now remember, though his, this is a specific text in history, the principle applies for us. Is it in your roles as, as husbands and, and wives and mothers and fathers and in the marketplace and as Christians everywhere is it we we need strength and we need to be strong so we won't compromise truth, so we won't compromise these very things that we hold dear to. And so it's just because Joshua is getting marching orders from the Lord, we can't separate ourselves because the principle applies to us too. There are way too many Christians today that, for lack of a better term, none of you are here tonight. But uh, they're cowards. Is it we're we're afraid, and we have I think too often we have this bunker mentality as Christians, as we find ourselves just cloistering in, and it, it's the world around us needs needs to hear of the of of the, of the Christ who empowers us to overcome the fears of, of death of fears, of the circumstances of life around us, Uh, it opens up all kinds of opportunities when we're bold Christians, as Joshua would be a bold leader. So verse six, here's the first command. He says, be strong, be strong. Then you go down to verse seven. He says, only be strong. And then at verse nine, again, be strong. My first thought was why? Why the emphasis so much? I don't know about you, but what I need is constant reminders. I need constant reminders of my Christian experience. And if, in a case of this uh, fear, fear is such a powerful emotion. Fear can paralyze you. Fear can keep you from doing what you, you know you should do. It is that strong. And there's no doubt in my mind that Joshua is feeling overwhelmed. This is not just 100 people that he's leading into the promised land. This is not some easy task that he's just going to, you know, we're going to get on the bus, and we're just going to go down here and set up shop. This was not it at all. There were enemies to conquer. There was daunting. It was a daunting task. And so Joshua is, is needing this exhortation like we do. Now the, now, the word strong or the verb strong, it means to be powerful beyond the average. It means to be powerful beyond the average for a task that is beyond ourselves. And so Joshua is getting a command from the Lord that embedded in the command, Be strong, is the implication that this is beyond your capability to do. And that's exactly where we need to get. I will never depend upon the sufficiency of God's grace if I don't see my complete dependency on God's grace. I've got to be emptied of myself. And when he says to me, Jim, you need to be about the Great Commission. Jim, you need to be leading your wife in sanctification. Jim, you need to be loving God's people. Those are commands that in and of myself, I have, I have no strength. And so Joshua is given this command and within the command is the realization that you can't do it on your own, Joshua. Now, I, I want you to pay attention to the language throughout this text. It's very intimate. It's very, it's relational. I would even call what Joshua's getting here in verse five uh, from, the on, from, from the onset of these commands is he's getting relational confidence from God. And remember, it so said, Now the Lord said to Joshua, This is a dialogue. This is a dialogue between him and the Lord. And the Lord is drawing so near to him. And he's giving him some very keen instructions. But look at verse 5. Go back to verse 5 for a minute. He says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. He gives him promises before he gives him commands. He gives him some some very encouraging words before he would tell him what to do. This was not unlike what happened to the Apostle Paul. You Remember, the Apostle Paul was in Corinth and he had suffered persecution. And it was late at night, in Acts chapter 18, verse 9, the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you almost the exact same thing that he did to Joshua, is that he gave him a promise. He gave him this faithfulness of his presence before he gave him the commands. And that's why you have to see these commands, and you have to see everything that happens to Joshua. It's in the context of relationship. It's in the context of God drawing near to his trembling servant It's it's in the context of God drawing near and saying, Joshua, this task is far bigger than you, but this task is not far bigger than you in the strength of myself in you and with you. And friends, that's what you have to go to every day. You're not just asking God just to give you power to get through a day. You're asking your God to be so real to you and draw near to you in the relational confidence of that union that you have with him. And Joshua would hear from the Lord, listen, as I was with Moses, remember remember all that he went through and you was his assistant? Now you're the guy. And just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And so Joshua, Joshua surely by now is starting to swell up with some confidence. And you know what happens so often, and I, I can tell you it happens in my life, fear becomes crippling when you focus on the circumstance causing the fear instead of the sovereignty of God who has put the circumstance in your life. And that's an important thing. is because fear, fear happens when we see a circumstance, when we see something. Fear is based on the knowledge of something. And I'll talk about that here in a minute. But when we look at this, uh, this relational confidence that Joshua has from God when he says, I'm going to be with you, we tie that into ourselves, in our relationship with the living Lord. How does the, how does the armor of God start out in Ephesians chapter six? It doesn't start out with the specific pieces of armor. It starts out with "Be strong. What? In the Lord?" It is relational. because the armor isn't some mechanical thing. You just pull off the shelf and you, th- you strap on this helmet is that this, this armor, in, in, in Romans chapter 12, the, the armor itself is the person of Christ. Paul would tell the Romans, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Paul would tell the Ephesians, put on the Lord, put on the armor of God, but which is the person of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at this this amazing truth of God coming alongside Joshua, he's coming alongside of him in relationship. And friends, if you want to overcome fear, it's not by you just memorizing a couple verses and trying to throw them at your fear. It's in the context of relationship. It's in that close walk with the Lord where you know that you know his promises are personal because you've lived his promises, you've experienced his promises and that he's come alongside of you and he's whispered, not audibly, but he's settled your raging heart and your mind and your fears because he's given you these precious promises that when he says be strong, be strong Joshua, be strong Jim, be strong, put your name there. And the reason why you can be strong is because I am your God. I am the one near to you. I am the one who has come alongside of you. I'm the one that's given you the task to be salt and light in your home, salt and light in your culture. And if I give you the command, I will not only give you the command, I will give you the sufficiency of my promise and my presence to fulfill the command. So Joshua is getting all of this. He's not, he, he's, he's being taken away from the, the enormity of the task. To see the greatness of the God who gave the task. So that's the first one. He tells him to be strong. Be strong. But notice also in verse 6, verse 7, and verse 9, there's the second command. He says, Be courageous. Be courageous. To be courageous does not eradicate fear. Fear isn't eradicated. A man named Joe Rigney he, Rigney, he wrote a book, a little book, it's pretty good, it's called Courage. How the Gospel Creates Christian Fortitude. He said this, and, and stay with me because I, it, it's, it's a little book, but it's a book that uh, you need to read and read a couple paragraphs over again to get what he's saying. And this is what he said. He says, courage only appears in the presence of real fear. Courage only appears in the presence of real fear. No fear, no courage. And I I, I, I kind of thought about that for a minute. And then he gave this wonderful illustration. He says, a man on a foggy day ignorantly walks along the edge of a dangerous precipice is not showing courage. His ignorance insulates him from fear and therefore from courage. Make him aware of the cliff and the certain death if he falls, then fear will arise, and with it the possibility of courage. So if you're going to be courageous, then we need to know what is the causes of fear that have to be offset by courageous. If you look at, and you read biographies of war heroes and, and things, that like, you will find that the courageous ones uh, they were petrified, they were fearful, and when it comes to us as Christians, we're not like the guy who's ignorant of the cliff, and and so he has no fear because he doesn't know, we know the fears that are out there, and because we are aware of the fears that grip the world and people around us, then we have the potential for courage, Like Joshua. Joshua knew quite well what lied ahead. There were some serious battles to be fought. That's why, like I said, he becomes one of the great military commanders of all times. But what are some of the fears that we're aware of that we can look at and thus confront them with courage? The courage that comes like it came to Joshua. Joshua. It's it's not the absence, of, it's not the absence of, uh, of, of what we call the fear. It's, it's the presence of. And here's the first thing that we've got to be aware of as Christians, if we're going to be bold and courageous in a culture, is we've got to be aware of the fear of people, the fear of people. I think we already resolved that early on is that we've all had opportunities to tell an unsaved person about the gospel and about Jesus Christ but there are times that we have been silent and we've even justified it just wasn't right. The time wasn't good. We're really down inside what, what it was, we were fearful. We were afraid. Well, what do we do about the fear of man? If we're going to be courageous against the fear of man, David Psalm 56, I'll read it to you. He says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. You notice what he says, not if I'm afraid, but when I'm afraid. You will never be f- free from fear in this world, but you can consistently defeat fear by courage in the promises which we will look at here shortly. David says in Psalm 56, 3 through 4 and 10 and 11, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. Now get, listen to what he says next. What can flesh do to me? In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? And think about it. We're afraid of people's responses, people who are going to stand before the living God like us, and they're going to give an account to him. I love what John Bunyan said. It's somewhat uncomfortable at times. But Bunyan says that we fear man so much because we fear God so little. And it's so true. Or we fear the task more than we have a confidence in the God enabling us to complete the task. And so we had this fear of man. That's the first thing. If we're made courageous that we need to be, be knowledgeable what these fears are. And there's many, but I'm going to give you two. The first one is the fear of man. Talk to yourself like David said, did. What can man do to me? The answer is nothing. It's, I think it was a Chrysostom. One of the early church fathers. Is he was, he, he was known as the golden-tongued preacher. And he was a threat because of his preaching, because of his godliness. And they wanted the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the emperor wanted to do something about him. And they, they didn't know what to do. Uh, what can we do to him? And they said, well, uh, let's banish him out on an island or in the wilderness. And his counselors said, well, no, that won't do, because all he'll do is pray and get closer to his God, and it'll be worse than he is now. They said, well, okay, so uh, why don't we just kill him? He said, well, no, that's not going to do any good either, because he would welcome that, because he knows he's going to be in the presence of the God he believes in, and his martyrdom is going to fuel Even more believers. And then one of the the pagan counselors says, I know what we can do. Get him to sin. Because that's what he hates more than anything. That's what would crush him more than anything. And the way they wanted to get sin was to get Chris Austin, like many is to fear man. And he would not, and neither shall we. Joshua had every right to be afraid, humanly speaking, because he would, as he would have heard Moses, what happened? You know, we see the people of of Israel, they complain against their leaders. They complain against Moses. They complain. Joshua says, I know what happened to him. Uh, I guess it's going to happen to me too. So he would have been afraid of people, he would have been afraid of, of uh, of the consequences of disgruntled complainers. And yet the Lord says, Be courageous, be aware. And he tells us, don't fear man. Don't fear man who's going to stand before judgment. The second area or second place that we are uh, to be armed against fear, and that is against the devil. And we don't have time to, to go into great details about the devil. Uh, I think sometime we should do a series on our adversary. Uh, but when it comes to the devil, Paul says we're not ignorant of his schemes. And what is one of the most powerful tactics that Hebrews chapter 2 tells us of the devil. It says that he holds the unsaved in the bondage of the fear of death. And death is all around us. Death is all around us. And so we have to be bold and courageous when it comes to confronting the world. And the answer to death. So that's the second command. Uh, let us be strong. Be strong in the relational power that is in our union in Christ. Be courageous. Be courageous. Be courageous, it's not the absence of fear, but it's confronting fear with the relational confidence we have in our God. Third one, verse 7, the third one, and this is the one that encompasses all the, these commands, is be obedient. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. Here's an important principle from Joshua. Is that in order to be strong, in order to be courageous, in order for us to know the strengthening power of God's grace, we have to obey known commands. Do you know what the whole of life is? The whole of life is simply that. Solomon would sum it up in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13 the end of the matter always been heard fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. And I think we have to get it settled in our minds. I have to get it settled in my mind that I exist to love God and to love God I obey God. Per- perfectly no but certainly sincerely And if we're going to confront a world full of fear, then it's going to require us to be obedient to known commands, which means you must be strong and you must be courageous in order to obey. Because the more that you obey in a godless society, the more pressure is going to come upon you. And Paul would tell Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in you. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. I think the Greek word for soldier there is sailor um no <laughs> yeah here's the point is that every one of us are enlisted in a warfare every one of our, us are enlisted in his army that's what he's using an illustration of as a soldier and what is a soldier or anybody in the armed forces what is their what is their sole duty it is the non-negotiable executing of orders You know, that's what I did for 24 years. It's a non-negotiable execution of orders. It's an allegiance to a standard. And God is telling Joshua to be strong and be courageous. Then you've got to read, you've got to meditate, and you have to do these things. Fear is never conquered by passivity in the Christian life. Fear is conquered by obedience to known commands that brings the strengthening power of God's grace and the courageous spirit of a soldier of Jesus Christ. And as his soldier, as the one enlisted in his army in the greatest war ever known, is that we are under his rulership. We do what he says and without obedience, there'll be no strength, and there'll be no courage. And so when you're fearful, stop and ask yourself this: Am I striving to obey known commands? Am I striving to, to walk close to my Lord? Because this remember I told you all this is about relationship. It's so clo- it's, it's Joshua is close to the Lord. The Lord is close to Joshua. And the only way you maintain that communion is by obedience. Neglect obedience, and you neglect communion. You neglect communion, you neglect strength. You neglect strength, and you can't obey the commands. Be strong and be courageous. Let's look at the uh, fourth command. Don't, and and the, the fourth and the fifth one are negatives. Uh, he says in verse 9, do not be frightened. Do you know that um, don't be afraid is the most frequent command in all of Scripture? It's the most frequent command in all of Scripture. And, and, and Jesus would use it often with His disciples. Do not be frightened means, it means, and, well the word frightened means to be scared, even to the point of being paralyzed. And he gives Joshua this command, don't be frightened. Why? Again, because of the relational confidence that you have in me. Because when, when the disciples were in the presence of Jesus, and he gave the command, don't be afraid, it's amazing how the seas calmed, and so did their hearts. They went from terrifying to being amazed at who he was. The right type of fear. Let's take a look at the fifth one. It's also in verse 9. It's don't be dismayed. Dismayed. The word dismayed means uh, to be downcast. To be downcast or downhearted. And that's what fear does. Fear not only makes you, makes you scared, makes you afraid, it also will weigh heavy upon your heart, and it'll cause you to be downcast. And the downcast Christian, you know what the downcast, um, the downcast Christian is focused on? Himself or herself. All of a sudden, the world around us gets, gets closed out, and we start focusing on ourselves. And then fear gets a hold of us, and then we're just, uh, we're, we're pretty worthless when it comes to kingdom work. So, how do you overcome being downcast? It's that relational uh, confidence, what we saw earlier, but it's also, it's also to get your mind and your heart off the things causing the fear or causing you to be downcast. The disciples in John chapter 14 were, were extremely downcast. Jesus is leaving. What does he say? Let not your hearts be troubled or downcast. And he says, believe in God, believe in me, because in my Father's house are many rooms. If we're not so, I would have told you, I'd go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Now, what is Jesus doing? He's saying, quit looking around at the circumstances of what's going to cause you to be afraid. Get your eyes off of that, your hearts off that, and look what lies ahead. And what lies ahead is the place I'm going to prepare for you that I'm going to bring you to. You know, when we were getting ready to deploy, you know, when we would get, um, it'd be that day that we get underway, you know, you get, um, weeks start uh, turning into days, and next thing you know, the family's taking you to the pier, and they're going to drop you off, and you're going to walk up that pier, and you're going to look around at them, and you're going to wave at the kids, and wave at Joy, and you're going to walk up that brow, and I'll see you in six, seven months, and you go away. Um the ship is a pretty downcast place that day. Uh, when we're getting underway, it's, it's not a happy place. Nobody wants to go. Well, maybe. Guys that want to get away from home, I don't know, but uh, nobody liked to go. You know, it was our duty, and we were patriotic for the most part. I mean, I think, I know I was. I mean, I knew what I signed up for. But you know what we did when we got underway? As soon as we left the pier, and as soon as we cleared the breakwater, and as soon as we got, in this case, out of Norfolk or out of Charleston, South Carolina, or Mayport, and we got out in the Atlantic, and we started to, to, to cross the pond and started to head over, do you know what we immediately started to do? We started getting very busy. We started doing a lot of drills. We started doing a lot of exercises. We just, it was, uh, it was almost around the clock. We were just on the go, on the go. Why? Just to distract us to distract us from what caused us to be downcast. If we just got underway, it had been like a carnival cruise, and we were sitting on, you know, chairs and just pondering, wow, we're going away for seven months, and I'm not going to see my kid's birthday. It's Christmas. Christmas is going to be in the middle of the Indian Ocean and 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 all this kind of stuff. I mean, it, you could get downcast very easily. But the wise captain, the wise Leadership of a ship, what they immediately do, they immediately got the crew involved in a whole bunch of drills to focus on our mission and not on what caused us to be downcast. And that's what Jesus is doing with the disciples. He said, don't, don't be downcast. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Focus on me and what lies ahead, not on what's causing you to be afraid. And if we're going to be courageous and if we're going to be bold, then we've got to get our eyes and our minds and our hearts off of what's around us. And even more importantly, what's in us. All right, we've got just a couple minutes here. Let's uh, take a look at, at what empower the commands. So there are the commands, five of them. They're all in the context of relationships. So if you want to overcome fear, be strong and courageous, cultivate your walk with the Lord Jesus. Be so close to Him that His grace will flow through you as you obey. Now, there's three things about uh, the faithfulness of God in this text or the character of God. And I want you to look at it. It's in verse 5. It's in verse 5. And it's also in verse 9. Now how would God encourage Joshua? How would he give him this relational confidence? He would remind him of his faithfulness. And he would remind him of his faithfulness. In what is the chief motive of the Old Testament. And that is God's presence with his people. Now look at verse uh, verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was, past tense, with Moses, so I will be with you. So God takes Joshua when he was the second in command. That is a great place to be, second in command, believe me. That is a great, because you're not getting all the stuff as the guy, As the CEO, the executive officer, you're not getting all of that. You can share in some of the good things, but if it's all bad, it's all him. And so Joshua then is the second man uh, with Moses. And certainly he he supported Moses, but Moses was the guy catching all the heat. But now it's Joshua who's going to be the commander-in-chief. And what did God do to show his faithfulness which would encourage him is that he said as I was with Moses I will be with you. So he reminded of God of his faithfulness to his predecessor. But notice what else verse 5. God's future faithfulness. I, I can, I, I, and, and thank God for the promises that have been fulfilled. And thank God for all the times that it's been like, I didn't think we could ever get through this or it's been impossible. I look back and see God's faithfulness. And you too in your life, you've seen times where it's been overwhelming that the tsunami of circumstances have come upon you and you're thinking there's just no way. And you look back and see God got me through and God provided. So you look at his past faithfulness and you're strengthened. But we also need the, the assurance of the future and the present and that's exactly what God gives Joshua. In verse 5 we look to the future. He says no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life just as I was with Moses so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Do you know how you live your Christian life? You live your Christian life by promises. Promises believed and promises lived. I've never seen Christ I've never had an audible voice of Christ. I am clinging my all in all in this life and all eternity on a promises. All the promises of God. And so Joshua is getting the same thing. But here's how good God is. Here's how wonderful he is. Not only does he remind us and Joshua of his past faithfulness. Not only does he say, Joshua, I'll be with you. When tomorrow comes and you got to go in there and we, and we got to do battle against those, uh, those, those guys? He says, I will be with you. And I'm wondering, Josh, is saying, but, but what about now? But, but I need you now. Well, we get that too. Look at verse nine. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. I was with Moses. I'll be there with you. I will be with you tomorrow when we go to battle. But Joshua, in between the past and the future, rest assured my faithfulness is for the now. And Beloved, it will be the same thing for all of us. is that You're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to be in a war. And you're going to be uh, confronted with all kinds of challenges. Temptations that cause you to fear. And you're going to hear the Lord say, be strong and courageous. And cling to the promise that he was with you yesterday. He'll be with you tomorrow. And he'll be with you throughout the day. And then cling to those promises. That prompt you to obey him because you love him. And as Joshua obeyed, Joshua was strengthened. And as we obey, we too will be strengthened. And we will be courageous. And our neighbors who are afraid. And our co-workers and our family members, perhaps, extended family members who are afraid because the world is crumbling all around us, we can come alongside of them and we can actually give them the command of Jesus and we can say, don't be afraid. I have a reason, I have a reason why you don't need to be afraid. And the reason is found in a person who says, don't be afraid. And let me tell you about him. And friends, as we go out in the world and be courageous, bold, Christians we have an opportunity this is not a this is not a, a a time of dismay for Christians this is a time of opportunity people are people are looking for hope let's be strong let's be courageous just like Joshua based on the relish, on the relational the relational confidence that comes from walking with him who said be strong be courageous Father, thank you so much for loving us and thank you for uh, your patience, your kindness and your patience that when we are afraid and we look too much into the world instead of your word and we find ourselves fretting and anxiety ridden and worrying that may you help us to realize that you are the same yesterday, today and tomorrow and that your promises were true. Then, they will be true tomorrow, they will be true today. And, and then may we be able to respond like Joshua. Be obedient, that we will know the strengthening power of your grace. And that we'll be courageous, showing a world that's paralyzed by the, uh, the fear of the devil. There is hope because of Christ. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.